Well, good. Happy Father's Day morning. I'm certainly glad to be here with you today, and I hope that uh, you are looking forward to a study of God's Word this morning. We've had a wonderful week. I have been so blessed to be here with you. It has been a real privilege and an honor to me, and I hope that uh, you've gained a little something from it too. You know, Scripture tells us that as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We've talked a lot this week about being genuine and sincere in our service to God. We talked a lot this week about actually doing the things that you know God wants you to do. We're going to talk a little bit today about what the Bible says about using your talents and abilities for the good of the kingdom of God. Now, I'll tell you, I believe everybody, every one of you has a talent or an ability or maybe many talents and abilities. And I believe if we as a group, you as a congregation, we as a fellowship of believers use those talents and abilities for the good of the kingdom of God, the things that can occur that are good in this world are are immeasurable by our effects. I want to introduce it to you with a little story that I've heard many years ago about an animal university. Now this obviously isn't a Bible story, but it's a story that illustrates the point that we want to consider today. It seems that in this animal university, in this forest, these animals decided that they were going to get together and have a university and help all the animals learn to improve the things that they needed to improve on. Now, one of the animals was a duck. And the duck was the very best in the class at swimming. But the duck didn't run very well. The duck had trouble with running and it was awkward and it... So what they did was the duck needed to improve at running, they decided, so the duck had to run extra. And the duck stayed and ran extra hours and extra hours and tried and tried. And eventually the duck improved its running a little bit, but it ran so much that it wore out the webbing in its feet and it just became average at swimming. Another animal that was in the forest was the rabbit. The rabbit was tops at running. But the rabbit was not a very good climber. It couldn't climb the trees very well. So they insisted that the rabbit work and work and work to improve its tree climbing abilities. At some point, it got to the point to where it could kind of get up a tree a little bit, but it was wearing out its back legs jumping to try to get up into the tree and it wore out its legs and it got to where it was just an average runner. Another animal in the forest was the squirrel who was an outstanding climber. But the squirrel could jump and start about halfway up the tree and the teacher decided that wasn't fair. So it started making the squirrel start at the very base of the tree and try to climb from the very base. And you know, eventually the squirrel got to where it could do that okay and it was still pretty good at climbing but it wasn't near as good as it was at the beginning. Now the moral of the story is, at the end of the university, all of the animals had some skills they didn't have when they began, but none of them were really as good as they were at what they were designed to do. Now, that's a kind of an interesting little story to illustrate a point in the Bible. 
Jesus found some fishermen, and these guys were good. They were professional fishermen. They did that for a living. They were good at that. And Jesus saw them mending their nets, and He went to those guys and He said, fellas, follow Me because I'm going to make you fishers of men. You know what a fisher of men is? It's kind of a strange term, isn't it? Have you ever been fishing for people? I went fishing down in Galveston a couple of weeks ago. Jacob and I were out in a canoe and we were fishing and I cast my rod out, not my rod, but threw the line out and the bait hit, had a little fish on it and the bait hit the water and this bird came, bam, and hit the, hit the ground and grabbed my line and my hook and my fish and took off and, and I'm going, whoa! And he, he got the fish and I got the hook back. But you know, I don't fish for birds. <laughs> because that's not what you do. You don't fish for birds normally. You fish for fish. What's he mean be a fisher of men? Well, what he means is our goal, our purpose as a, as a body of believers is to save souls. Cast a net out and save souls and bring people in to the kingdom of God. That's your job in Amarillo. I mean, the church here is doing great and it's growing, but you know what? Next time I come back, I hope you won't fit in this building. Because God has called us to be fishers of men. He tells us in the book of Matthew that you're the salt of the earth. Are you salt? You know what salt is for? Well, salt's a preservative. Salt, in my opinion, makes things taste better. <laughs> I like a little bit of salt. I don't like it just all white, but I like some salt on my food. Give it a little better taste, a little better flavor, but it improves things and it makes them to where they last longer. They're preserved. They're in a better condition or state. Is your world better because you're in it? I mean, the people that you know, the block that you live on, the school that you attend, the place where you work, is it better because you're there? God has called you to use your talents and abilities to improve the world around you. Another thing He says about us is that we're light. He said, you are the light of the world. You've seen that commercial, maybe if you watch television at all, where they talk about how good the human eye is and how that at... A, distance of 10 miles, a human eye can detect the light of one single candle. That's amazing, isn't it? That's the illustration God is using for you and I. That we're light. Now when I go into a room and it's dark at night and I want to get through that room, you know what I do? I turn on the lights. Because it helps me see, it helps me get to where I'm going. Guess where everyone in this world is going? To the grave. We're all going to die. We're all going to end our lives, right? Every one of us, all your friends, all your relatives, all your co-workers, they're all going to the same place. We need to be a light so they see how to get there in a way that will bless them, in a way that will send, send them to the right place in the hereafter. You see, Jesus has called you and I to be what I would call salty light. <laughs> He has called us to preserve and to improve and to show and to give light to those that are around us. But as we do that, you know, sometimes 
Different people have different abilities and different skills. And for us as a group to be salty light, we need you to do what you can do to the best of your ability. Let me show you some principles of stewardship. Number one, God has given you unique abilities. The Scripture tells us, for the body is not one member, but many. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he describes the church as a body. And he says there are fingers and there are toes and there are knees and there are earlobes and there are all these different parts to the body. You see, God has given you some abilities or talents or skills that other people don't have. You are a unique individual with specific skills and abilities. Somebody, I all the time hear people say things like, like, boy, I tell you what, if I could lead songs like one of those Flemings, I tell you, I'd be a song-leading dude. Maybe. I'd like to lead, be able to do that too. Boy, if I could preach like Pat Manning, I tell you what, if I could preach like Pat, I'd, I would be converting people right and left. And it'd be great. I wish I could do that too. But you know what? There are things you can do that the Flemings and Pat Manning can't do. That's just the truth. There are people you have influence on in your life. I've been here preaching all week. There are friends of yours that wouldn't open the door for me. They would welcome you into their home and sit down with a cup of coffee and let you tell them about Jesus. There are opportunities and skills and abilities that we all have. And not everybody is a nose. And not everybody is an elbow. And not everybody is a foot. And your skill or your abilities should be used to the best of your abilities instead of you trying to be something that you're just not. We're going to talk about that as we go along here. But, you know, for me to spend a tremendous amount of time trying to be skilled in an area that I'm just not skilled in is a mistake. It's a waste of time. Because there are areas that I am skilled in that I need to focus my attention on in my life. You know what? I'm a teacher. That's just what I am. If you're around me very long, I'm going to try to teach you something. <laughs> it may be some I don't even know about, but I'm going to try to teach you about because that's just in my nature. I'm just a teacher. I'm not real good at a whole bunch of other stuff. I am not Mr. Technical Organizer guy. Uh, my office is what my wife calls chaos. I call it organized chaos. <laughs> my wife is an organizer. She's very good at putting things together and arranging her life and my life and the way it ought to go. Different people have different skills and unique abilities. You need to find what you're good at. The church needs people who are good at whatever it is you're good at. And it needs people who are good at those things to do those for the kingdom of God, not just for their own personal benefit. 
For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You see, we're stronger because different people have different skills and abilities and they use those all together for the kingdom of God. And that makes us all stronger and all better because the church isn't just one person. You know what? If I was to preach this morning the best sermon that's ever been preached, if I was the only one here, it wouldn't be much of a church service, would it? Why? Well, because it takes more than just one. No matter how good that one is or how bad that one may be, it takes everyone doing the best that they can be. Number two, your uniqueness pleases God. God did not want you to be Pat Manon. Now, I'm not picking on Pat. I talked to my daughter this morning. He started a meeting down in Pearland, so he was kind of on my mind this morning. God didn't want you to be Pat. He wanted you to be you. Scripture tells us this. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. He says the gifts that you have, the strengths, the abilities that you have, if you're organized, if you've got the ability to make and give money, if you've got an eye for making sure that things are clean, if you, whatever your skill or ability is, God has given you that. And He says when you have those gifts that are given to you according to the grace that is in you, use them. Don't wait. Let me... Let me give you an example of somebody in Scripture. Ananias and Sapphira. They were friends of the Apostle Paul's. And they heard a guy preaching in the temple. And they didn't understand. Or, well, they understood, but he didn't understand. This guy was preaching the baptism of John. And he was a very eloquent preacher. His name was Apollos. And he was a very capable and eloquent preacher. But he just knew the baptism of John. And so what he did is he preached and they heard him. And after it was over, they said, Hey, Apollos, could we visit with you a little bit? Maybe took him to the local Starbucks or whatever they had there and sat down with him. The Bible says they expounded unto him more perfectly the truth, the Word of God. You see, he didn't know the baptism of Jesus. Now, I'm pretty confident they hadn't had a church meeting and the elders said, okay, listen, guys, we're appointing you to hang out at the temple and if anybody comes along preaching the gospel, the baptism of John, it's your job to take them over to Starbucks and teach them the truth. That's not what happened. This couple just had the skill, they had the knowledge, they had the opportunity and because they did, they used that to the glory of God. When you do what you're best at, you're going to excel. When you do what your skills are, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That's the Scripture we, we began with. He said, minister to one another with the gifts that you've received because God gave you those gifts. And when you use what you're good at and you do what you can do, you don't have to do what other people do. The kingdom of God will be blessed. There will be good that happens and you will excel because it's what you're good at. It's what you do good at. 
And when we have everyone doing what they're excellent at doing, the kingdom of God will be blessed. You know a lady in the church, she is so gifted at visiting in a nursing home. You know, I've been with her to nursing homes, and she's just got a knack. She just goes in and she just talks to the people in the nursing home. And, and they just love her and she loves them. And it's just, she is just good at that. Church dinners, not so much. <laughs> I'm not picking on her. I think she's a great, you know what she needs to be doing? She needs to be visiting nursing homes. I told my wife, I said, I hope when I'm old and in a nursing home, she comes to visit me. People like, you know why? Because she's good at that. Now we've got other ladies that are wonderful cooks, but are a little awkward in a nursing home and don't know what to say. Then cook! And the lady that's good at the nursing home needs to go to the nursing home. And, well, you know, she only brought a pan of green beans. I don't know. You know what? Do what you're good at. And encourage each other to do what you're good at. Because what you're good at is what's going to bless the kingdom of God. And the goal that we all have as being fishers of men, it's going to make the kingdom strong. And that's what we want. We want a strong kingdom. We just read this verse. He says, use those gifts. Another principle of stewardship is that your joy comes from using your abilities. Paul said this, let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. I started talking about Pat, so I'm going to stay with Pat illustration here for just a second. Pat's got some great sermons and he'll give you the outlines. He'll give you copies of the outlines, enough you can give to everybody you know because Pat doesn't mind sharing his material. You know what, if I work and work and I get together and I put one of Pat's sermons together and I get up and I preach Pat's sermon and I do a pretty good job, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the joy I get is when I know that I've studied and I understand and I'm teaching what I know comes out of the Word of God instead of something, some guy I respect or I like or I think is good. That's where joy comes. Joy comes from knowing that you're doing what you know is right and what you can accomplish instead of trying to be somebody else. You can't do that. When I was a young preacher, just starting out, my dad would not allow me to use sermon outline books. I thought that was so unfair. (laughs) Because everybody else could use sermon outline books but me. You know why dad did that? Because He wanted me to study the Bible, so I knew what I believed. So when I preached, I was preaching what I knew was right. There's benefit to that. Now, I'm not telling you a sermon outline book is wrong. I've gotten a lot of good ideas of sermons from different places. What I am telling you is that your joy will come from doing what you're really good at doing because you'll do a good job and the kingdom of God will be blessed. I want to consider with you a couple of things that are hindrances to us all doing our best job. One of them is the hired gun mentality. The idea that, you know, in the old west, they would hire a gun, they'd hire a gunfighter, and he'd come in and he'd deal with all the bad guys. So the people, the citizens of the town didn't have to deal with the bad guys themselves. 
You know, in religion today, there's a whole lot of the hired gun mentality. There's a whole lot of people thinking, we need to hire somebody. We need to bring in somebody who's skilled and who's capable and who's powerful and who's this and that to deal with things. You don't find that in Scripture. That idea of hiring a professional to do our church work for us is not a Bible idea. In fact, what we read in Scripture is this. That God gave leadership to the church. He mentions apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers. He said He gave them for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. I misunderstood that for years. I thought, you know, evangelists, my, I'm an evangelist. One of my jobs is to equip the saints and do the work of the ministry. That's not what that says. That says that my job is to equip the saints so the saints can do the work of the ministry. You don't need to hire a professional. What you need is everybody who's here to get on deck and get busy doing what you can do. That's what we need. That's what touches people's lives in a genuine way. Another thing that's a problem a lot of places I go is what I call the spiritual inferiority complex. It's somebody who feels like they're not as good as someone else and because I'm not the best there ever was that maybe I better not do it. You know, the Scriptures teach us when Moses was called by God to go out and uh, go to the children of Israel. When he was young, he says he was mighty in word and indeed just a powerful teacher and speaker and all this. When he's 80, he's going, well, Lord, you know, I've just been talking to sheep and rocks for 40 years and <laughs> I'm just not, not eloquent and, I, you know, I just don't have... God told him, he said, who made man's mouth? I think Craig preached on that recently, didn't you? Who made man's mouth? God made your mouth. Do what you're best at doing and don't worry that you're not the best in the world. We've got the NBA playoffs going on right now. I don't know if you're interested in that or not. If you DVR'd it, here's a spoiler alert, the Spurs are up. <laughs> you know who the very best NBA basketball player is right now? If you know anything about the NBA, everybody knows really the best one overall. I mean, some people say Kevin Durant, but the best overall is LeBron James. He's just a man among boys when he plays that game. He's just outstandingly gifted. Wouldn't be much of a playoff game, though, if everybody who wasn't as good as him stayed on the bench, would it? Wouldn't be much of a challenge or much of a game. You may not be the most flashy. You may not always do the, as good as somebody else could do. But what you can do is do as good as you can do. That's what God's called you to. He's called you to just patiently and faithfully serve and obey Him. He hasn't called you to be anybody else. You know, sometimes when people talk about serving the church, one of the things I hear a lot from people is there's just nothing to do. But Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white all ready to harvest. I don't know what you're doing and how you're engaged in the work of the church here today in this community and in this congregation. But God wants you to plug in. He wants you to do something. And if you say, well, I, I don't know what to do. 
I, I mean, I'd like to do stuff, but we've already got people changing the light bulbs and running the sound system. I don't know what else there is to do. Somebody mows the yard. I, I don't know. Go talk to the elders. They can tell you things to do. They can help you figure out what you're good at and find a way or a place for you to plug in and serve the Lord. There's a tremendous amount for all of us to do in the kingdom of the Lord. And I want to mention now with you just about three things that are going to be benefits that you'll get personally from dedicated stewardship. Number one, you're just going to be a better Christian. You just are. Scripture says, but let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. When you know you're doing what you can do, you're just going to be a better Christian. You just are. I know it's nice to be able to sit back and relax. I like to go to church services sometimes and not preach. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy that sometimes. Just sit back and not lead any songs or prayers and just, just participate and enjoy. I talk to people and they say, well, what, what are you doing this weekend? I say, I work every weekend. Because that's just my mindset and my mentality. And it's nice to back off and relax occasionally. But you know, the reality is, when I'm doing what I know I can do and I ought to be doing, that is when I know I'm serving God and I'm a better Christian for it. I'm never a better Christian when I have an opportunity and I sit back and I don't do it. When I have an opportunity and I, I back off and I don't participate in something that I could have participated in, that doesn't make me any better. You'll be a better Christian if you do whatever you can do. We've got a guy at home was a bad drug addict for years and years. Probably 30 or 40 years. He was away from the Lord for years. He has come back to the church. He's come back to the kingdom of God. And when he came back to the church and the kingdom of God, he'd wasted most of his life. And he'll tell you that. He'll talk to you about that. He's got terrible health problems. He sits in his house and he reads his Bible and he listens to sermons and he studies because he's missed a whole lot in his life. But you know what that guy can do? That guy, all these years he was out wasting his substance and riotous living, was a carpenter. And you know who takes care of stuff down at the building when the door sticks or the, something on the outside of the building, a piece of eaves falling loose? Or, you know who takes care of that? He does. And you know what? That's something He can do and it's something I'm not real good at doing. And that's something that our church is blessed to have Him do and blessed to have Him plugged in and committed to. Now, is He ever going to get up and preach a gospel meeting? Probably not going to happen. But what He does is critical and important to the effort of the group as a whole. You're going to be a help to some people. Scripture says, if we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Whatever it is you can do, if it's computer work, I've got a good friend in the church there at home who's pretty good at computers. And you know what he does? He's tech support for the whole congregation. He just is. It's real often I call him, I say, hey, what are you doing? Well, after church today, I'm going over to sister so-and-so's house because they've got a problem with their computer and I'm going to help them out. He's a blessing to our church. 
He's a blessing to us being able to function as a body of Christ to get information messages out to everybody in the church because He's got something He can do for the kingdom of God and He does it. And you see, when you do that, you help people. I can't tell you how many times one of the ladies at church has come to me and said, oh, you know, he came over to my house and it was a, I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to use my computer again and now we can... He's a blessing to other people. He's helped other people. You know, if you'll get your mind on serving the Lord, you can help other people. The lady that goes to the nursing home, she brings joy and brightness into some, some very difficult situations. The people who cook good food for church dinners, they bring joy and brightness into my life. <laughs> and into the life of everyone who takes that. Somebody's got to clean the kitchen when the meal's over. If you're good at that, do that. It's a blessing to the church. We need people plugged in and they help other people when they do. And finally, you'll bring glory to God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified. When you do something to serve the Lord, I've told you about several folks that I know this morning, people that preach and people that work on the building and cook and visit nursing homes. I'm not telling you that to, to praise them because their skills and their abilities came from God. There's some stuff I could work and work and work and I'm just never going to be that good at. I'll wear out my, my feet and I won't be a good swimmer if I'm a duck. I, that's just what's going to happen if I spend all my time doing that. You need to realize that when you do what you can do, give that glory to God. He made you. He made you. If you're friendly, some people are just naturally friendly, aren't they? You know, I've got a brother-in-law like that. Y'all know Randall, don't you? Most people here know Randall. He'll talk to anybody. I mean, you're in the grocery store line buying a pack of gum and he has a 30-minute conversation with the person behind him. It He's just good like that. I wish I had that knack. I don't. But he's got that knack. He should use that for the kingdom of God. In fact, he does use that for the kingdom of God. Whatever you can do glorifies God because the goal is to bring people to Jesus, right? The goal is not for people to go, oh man, we want Him to hold our meeting. That's not the goal. The goal is to bring people to Jesus Christ so eternally their souls are saved. And that takes you, and that takes me, and that takes everybody else doing what they can do. So, let's get practical. Where do I start? I'm going to give you some specific practical steps. If you've been taking notes this week, this is the time to take notes right here. The PowerPoint's going to be back there though, so you can get this list if you miss it this morning. Number one, you need to get a piece of paper and list your abilities. Just write down what you're good at. Write down what your skills are. Now somebody says, hmm, that's awkward. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel like just writing down, I'm good at this and I'm good at that, you know, and that's, that seems kind of arrogant and kind of self, self-lifting up and all. Now I don't want to be like that. If you'll remember that every skill and gift you have came from God and it's not because of you, it's because of God, it's not arrogant. Write down the skills that God gave you. You know, some of you guys and gals here are really, really skilled in some areas that I look at and I go, wow, that's, that's great. 
Be honest and write down, you know what? The Lord made me good at this. Get your list so you can accurately analyze what your skills are. You know, when somebody comes to the church at Denton, they move into Denton or they're converted into Christ, one of the things we do is we sit down with them and we talk to them and say, what are you good at? And sometimes it's awkward, but they have to be able to say what they're good at so we know how to plug them in. You know what? If you can't carry a tune in a bucket, you're probably not going to lead Sunday morning singing. Real often at least. Not because there's anything wrong with you or somebody else is better. That's just not your skill. What your skill is, is what we want to plug you in to do so you can be effective in your service of God. Number two, thank God for those skills. Thank God for those abilities. Many of you this week have met Jackson Lindgren. Jackson's here with me. Have you met Jackson, most of you? Have you heard him talk? He has an announcer voice. <laughs> I don't have an announcer voice. I sing the girly part <laughs> when we sing. That's a blessing that God gave him. He didn't do that. There's nothing he did to get an announcer voice. God just gave that to him. You know what? That's a skill he can use for the good of the kingdom of God. He should use that skill, but when he uses that skill... He needs to thank God for giving him that voice instead of, well, I've got an announcer voice. Because it's not about him. God gave him that voice. Everything we have, God gave us. So to be honest and say, oh, I've got a really good voice for public speaking is a great thing. Write that down as a gift, the skill or an ability you've got, and then thank God for it. Number three. Prioritize your skills. You're probably going to have more than one skill on your list. I don't know, you may do it and just go, well, I've just got one. Then your priority job's easy. <laughs> but prioritize. What am I best at and what is there the greatest need around me for? And that's what I'm going to focus on. That's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to try to excel at and to be excellent at. Number four... Don't try to use all your skills at once. Don't try to build all of your abilities at the same time. Because you can't do that. You focus on learning one thing and really excelling and being the best you can be at that one thing. And then you move to working on your next thing. And then you move to working on the third thing in your priority list. The last thing I want to tell you about this is that when you get your abilities listed and you thank God for them and you prioritize them and you're not trying to use them all at once, but you're really working on developing whatever that priority or that skill is, use it to build up the brethren first. Use it to build up the kingdom of God first. We've got friends who are wonderful hosts and hostesses. They are great at inviting people into their homes and hosting fellowships and hosting activities and hosting camping trips and hosting this and hosting that. And, you know, they're good at that. And they can invite, they can start block parties and neighborhood parties. They can have people from work over. But you know what they do first is they use that skill first for the kingdom of God. They use that skill first to build up their brothers and sisters in the Lord. 
So when you figure out what your skills and abilities are, you thank God for them, you put them in priority, you pick one to start working on, then begin to intentionally use that skill or that ability for the kingdom of God. Isaiah was called to be a prophet. And Isaiah stood before the Lord and he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. That's my message to you today. God is asking you through the Scriptures that we've read this morning to use what you can use. No matter what your skill or your ability is, use that for the kingdom of God. God gave you that to glorify His kingdom and Himself and to promote and grow Himself and His kingdom in this world today. Jesus called us to bring in people. That's our goal. Remember that and use your abilities to be sent by God to produce all of the good that you can possibly produce in the kingdom of God in your lifetime. Thank you for your wonderful attention. And we offer a song of invitation right now. But let me tell you as we get ready for this song of invitation, it's not necessary for you to get out in the aisle and come to the front. You can if you'd like. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you and to help you. But what is necessary this morning is for you to make a noble resolve in your heart, that you're going to start using a, king, a, a kingdom gift, a kingdom ability in some way more effectively and more efficiently and more consistently for the kingdom of God starting today than you ever have in the past. That's what I ask you to do. We also would be happy to pray with you and for you if there's any way the church can assist you while we stand and sing.